Hi everyone. This is Damian Abernathy. Welcome to Forgotten History of Pacific Asia War podcast. We focus on short but sweet untold wartime stories in Pacific Asia War and update every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. This is our 27th episode. Today we will talk about colonization in China, how it affected trade in the modern world. colonization of China was a long campaign involving the exploitation of the Chinese economy by the Western powers, but mainly of Britain, France, and the US before this, China was at the center of the world economy throughout the 1700s due to their widely sought exports of porcelain, silk, and tea, all under the era of the Qing dynasty. However, the Qing dynasty faced many issues and by the end of the 1700s, China was experiencing strains, a quickly growing population, a difficulty of food supply for this population, and a subsequent lack of centralized government control, all of which led to rebellions and a weakening of the dynasty's power throughout their country. Alongside these strains, China also contracted many tolls due to the destruction caused by the Opium Wars and the presence of Western powers in the country. They were forced to open ports to trade illegal contraband, they also had to permanently give up land just off of their coast to foreign powers, grant legal immunities to non-Chinese traders. After the Second Opium War, they were mandated to allow free movement of Christian missionaries throughout the country. Though, by 1860, due to the imposition of British, French, and US powers in China, it could be considered little more than an international colony. By the early 1900s, the British Empire, now called the United Kingdom, the German Empire, Russia, France, the United States, Japan, Italy, and Austria-Hungary were all present in China defending their interests from the rebels of the Boxer Rebellion in Beijing. In fact, it was one of the few times in history these countries allied with one another to end the resistance to their Western influences in China. The United Forces assaulting Beijing did not even do so to defend its people but to see which national army gained the glory of relieving the city of the Boxers. The forces killed the Boxers in Beijing and subsequently looted the entire city as representative armies of eight different countries destroyed Beijing apart. Even Yuan Ming Yuan, Old Summer Palace, the imperial expanse of palaces and gardens which spanned 3.5 square kilometers, was thoroughly sacked. Its remains still lie in 47 different museums around the world, including the British Museum in London. By the end of the weeks of looting, Beijing was in shambles. China had all the qualities of a colony international powers dominated it, its economy was used to fund other countries, and an outside religion was being spread through colonial missionaries it was a colony in anything but name. China transitioned from being the most powerful economy in the world before the Opium Wars to its GDP dropping by half just a decade later. This is reflective of the damage China took from the Opium Wars, but the British colonizers would not let their main source of profit stay broken for long. Through colonization, China's economy was manipulated by the Western powers, the economy fiscally grew, but the well-being of the Chinese, since the funds of the economy was sent directly to America, France, and the British Empire. One of the most direct effects on the Chinese economy during the colonial era was the role of Hong Kong after the Opium Wars. Hong Kong was originally a barren island populated by a few thousand farmers and fishermen when it fell under the sway of the British Empire by force in 1841 and developed into a full-fledged territory after the Treaty of Nanjing in 1842. From that point onward it remained under absolute British control, with a notable presence of the British military. This military-slash-police force, however, was not made up of just English troops, but Indian soldiers as well. The British Empire's colonization of India was in full effect due to the industrialization of the opium trade, 
which was produced from Indian poppies in mass quantities. Along with the troops came Indians emigrating from British-controlled India, which pushed the development of Hong Kong through the jobs of building ports, homes, and other colony necessities for a trade city. Hong Kong quickly became the launching point for the British's business in mainland China as they profited off of the labor of those they had already colonized. The issue of colonization and China's economy is a complicated one. Some believe that colonialism, through the suppression of another's culture for monetary gain, developed China's economy. This perspective argues that by forcing society to open its borders and ports to trade, the Western powers stimulated the economy in a very direct way. Professor Mohammad Shaka Wat at the University of Reading presents this pro-colonial perspective, saying, the Middle Kingdom, the Qing Dynasty, would have been in isolation for many more years and might have remained in some form of dark age without the timely imperial intervention. Professor Watt also recognizes the issue with this perspective is that those who argue this are often very critical of China for not being able to take enough goodness from the West. This pro-colonial view of colonialism is an entirely positive thing that is a biased view that is critical of any non-Western influence and does not recognize the damaging impacts of colonialism in China and its public. Almost all of the arguments for a pro-colonial perspective are biased in this way against the Chinese, condemnatory of any values that did not originate from the West. Therefore, when they are used in a discussion of China's economy, they present an unresolvable conflict of interest. From an economic standpoint, pro-colonists argue that colonization is what reinforced the importance of capitalism and trade in China. This is due to information suggesting such, China experienced a steady growth of agricultural output and income between the 1870s to the 1940s, which supplied it to growing population with the food needed for continual growth. Furthermore, China experienced growth with the introduction of modern machinery, as the West demanded more goods to be sent abroad. This introduction of factories and machinery, however, did not create as much as an immediate effect as it had in Europe. China did not experience an industrial revolution like Europe did, since the production output of modern industries could not exceed the output of the traditional handicraft industry. Even during the mid-1930s, the total value output of native handicrafts was more than three times that of the modern machinery-based industries. Although pro-colonists claim industrialization did develop to the Chinese economy, historians state that this did not occur until after the colonial era after the Western powers were ousted from China, this trend of industrialization did not turn into an industrial revolution like the one that occurred in Europe. Both the Qing state and the Chinese people were very unwelcoming to Western influence, and understandably so. Most of the goods being produced in China were traded or invested in foreign interests, rather than in Chinese interests. If you are interested in learning more about this topic, we have some references listed in the description of this episode. Thanks for joining us in our 27th episode. We update every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you like our show, remember to check back on Monday or subscribe to us. This is Damien Abernathy. See you in the next episode.